experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. Here in America, we don't tolerate that kind of crap, sir. The Michael Groff Show. Now the only thing anybody's going to remember me for after I die is being that blind guy. Zip code famous Michael Groff Show. You couldn't open a French whore's legs with a wheel of cheese. So if you're confused about what I'm saying, listen very carefully. I quit this bitch. Michael Graff. Do you want me to give you my things I don't care about speech again? Because you know I've updated it to include all white guys who add Izzle to anything. Screw charity. Man, you know, I pledged $50 to stop diabetes, and then I found out that there's still diabetes. And I'm, I'm like, what? Man, talk about a ripoff. Zip code famous Michael Graff show. There's an old saying in Tennessee that says, fool me once, shame on Shame on you. It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. A theologist might refer to him as a practical joke from God. A sociologist may refer to him as the voice of reason in a cesspool of humanity. While a philosopher may find him to be the ill-advised punchline to the universe. Or maybe that's a punching bag. Whatever. But of course, you know him as the host of the Zip Code Famous, Michael Groff Show. My voice holds up for the show. Otherwise, God knows. I'm just I'm just downing as much liquid as possible. Hey, welcome in. It's another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show. And here we go again, folks. Wow. Contact information for the program. I know I sound terrible, but contact information for the program, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And, of course, the one, the only, MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. While you're hanging out on MichaelGroff.com, you can always check out any of our current or previous shows. You can post on a, a comment on any of the programs that you've listened to. You can donate to this program. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Donate to this show. Via our PayPal address, which of course is Mike at KMGX.com. Just throwing that out there. And uh, so much more. The one, the only, MichaelGroff.com. Man. As always, I assure you that any donation you make to this program will be for the betterment of this program. It will absolutely not go to my waistline because my doctor says um, I've, I've put enough into the waistline. I. <laughs> I've had I've had just one too many burgers or ten too many or something. Figures too. I I had a doctor's appointment earlier this week on Monday. Actually, I had a doctor's appointment, and I I pretty much actually have a, a clean bill of health. My blood pressure is excellent. I know you wouldn't believe it listening to this podcast or listening to my show all these years, but my blood pressure is excellent. My my pulse. I still have a pulse, as it turns out, but it's 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 great. Um, you know, all of my my 
temperature, everything was normal, everything is fine, except for the fact that my doctor does say that, you know, more, I, 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 as you know, I do walking. I walk pretty much every day. I do a mile or two. And my doctor said I should probably increase that and decrease the food. Yeah, learn to, learn to say I'm full. The exercising I should be doing is pushing myself away from the table. It's not that bad, but said it wouldn't kill me to lose a little weight. Oh, and of course, I do have to go back to the doctor uh, for minor surgery uh, this coming Monday because I have a disgusting cyst or something. So, you know, and that'll be taken care of. I probably will live to see the end of this surgery, I think. <laughs> Given my family's track record with uh, medical conditions, God knows. But if I do live, which, you know, hey, I'll be back to tell you all about it. My, my experience in the healthcare business. Okay, I'm making a little bit too much of it. But anyway. My point in all this was it figures I go, I, I go to the doctor. I get checked out. For the most part, everything's fine. And then I, I feel kind of sick and I feel run down afterwards. I've been tired. My back's been hurting. And now my, I've got this sore throat thing. And uh, can I complain anymore? You're probably wondering. Yeah, I, I think I can. No, I'm actually, I'm, I'm all right. I just, uh, I just, now I feel run down after the doctor's appointment. That's how it always seems to go, I guess. I should mention that this is the Friday, October 12th, 2012 edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. I didn't mention that in the, uh, you know, right away. And I know I'm off my game this week. It's been really weird. This has been one of the weirdest weeks. First of all, as you know, it takes basically congressional legislation to be passed for me to go to the doctor, which, you know, hey. Then last night, I'm trying to watch the dog and pony show that was the vice presidential debate. And uh, on knocking on my door was a detective from the Phoenix Police Department um, wondering, you know, uh, well, it had to do with the fact that there was about 118 police cars down my street yesterday. Apparently, we had another burglary. Well, as it turns out, it was a home invasion. Well, they call it a home invasion. What actually happened was the, the neighbor that I, that's down the street the neighbor walks in on their house being robbed and I guess got beaten up pretty bad. And then the, the burglars got away. No one knows what they took. At least I don't know what they took, but uh, it's just gotten weird around here. We've had a lot of break-ins the last three or four years. And I don't know, they caught somebody last year, but it's just continuing. So my viewing of the vice presidential debate is interrupted by real life. Uh, yeah, I got to put down fiction and the dog and pony show, the circus, so that I can confront with a, a real problem that's actually facing my neighborhood. Um, sorry, Biden. Sorry, Ryan. Real life getting in the way. But um, that was that was pretty crazy. And uh, the neighborhood, I don't know. We, we have a neighborhood watch here and it's it's good. We always are updated on what's going on. Any weird people walking around. Everybody seems to report on it. But I don't know. It's these people, they rob houses in the middle of the day between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Broad daylight, they come in, they steal stuff from people's homes. Look, this isn't the most upscale neighborhood in the world. These are white-collar folks that go to white-collar eight-to-five jobs. So most of the people, this isn't like a retirement community where uh, people are always staring out their window 
watching everything. They they keep track of every single feral cat, every bug movement, everybody that's mowing their lawn, all the neighborhood gossip. This isn't that kind of neighborhood. This isn't like a slummy neighborhood. It's just, you know, it's that middle class neighborhood where people go to work and people are, you know, so that's, I guess that's why these areas tend to get hit with burglaries in the middle of the day. So it's a little bit scary. But after that, I had about five minutes of the VP debate, which I actually, I kind of welcomed. I was glad the detective knocked on my door because I had to step away from the BS that was being lumped on me from uh, both the vice president and Paul Ryan last night. That was something else. Boy, oh boy, we got to talk about that. I think that'll be the first thing I want to get into. In fact, let me just mention, I did go back and watch the part I missed and then I was sorry that I did. I was like, oh man, I should have, I should have taken it as a sign. I shouldn't have really even watched it anyway. I, people told me, they're like, Mike, just don't bother to watch it. You know that they're just going to say the same Republican and Democrat BS. It's going to be just something that gets your blood pressure up. You just got a, a pretty clean bill of health from the doctor. Don't do it. It's just going to stress you out. But no, I, I sat there and watched. So first of all, I will say that this turned out more like my original prediction. Remember uh, last week I said that the the first presidential debate between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama was going to go the way of the way that most of them go. The, the Republicans were going to say that Mitt Romney won. The Democrats were going to say Obama won. It tur- didn't turn out that way because Obama did not show up, basically. He was way off his game. Mitt Romney brought it. Barack Obama didn't. Mitt Romney won. Well, this one did go the way that most of these things go. Uh, anybody that watched it who was a conservative pretty much will tell you Paul Ryan held his ground. He did well. He stood up. He was fine. And the Democrat pundits will tell you, oh, no, Joe Biden, Grandpa Joe did just fine. He was great. In fact, he was brilliant and feisty. And he was the attack dog that the vice president is supposed to be. I watched this same debate. And I sometimes I wonder how it is that people can have such a completely different account when they watched the same thing that I did. Because I watched it, and I didn't see a clear-cut winner out of either of the candidates. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I am admittedly in the tank for Gary Johnson, and that I wouldn't vote for Barack Obama or Mitt Romney if you handed me a suitcase full of money and a ballot. That said, I really don't feel that Joe Biden nor Paul Ryan won this VP debate last night. Whereas in the first presidential debate, it was very obvious that Mitt Romney was the winner. And it doesn't mean I agree with much of what he said at all, because I don't. But he was more prepared. He was more focused. He went on the attack. He went after Obama on the issues where he was the weakest, and that is the economy and the foreign policy. Whereas last night's dog and pony show, look, it was very much a wash Both guys get their barbs in. For the most part, they spewed the talking points. And for the most part, the punditry fell on partisan lines. And that's that's how a lot of these things usually go. And that's why most of the time these things just wind up in a wash where, you know, it's sort of a rah-rah thing, a pom-pom thing for uh, each individual party and each individual base. I will say this, and I made some notes about the debate last night. First, I want to say that I really thought that Joe Biden's behavior last night was just disgraceful. It was not at all presidential or vice presidential whatsoever. It was fairly despicable. He was snarky. He was rude. He was constantly interrupting Paul Ryan. And that is just not something that you do in any debate forum. It's usually a sign that you're losing and that you're trying to make up ground or you're just not going to let the other guy talk. Uh, 
And, you know, that's that's a great tactic and that that seems wonderful, but it's really inconsiderate at the very least. That's something that you do when you're out with your friends in a social setting or when a bunch of people are just out talking, you're having a few drinks and everybody's trying to get their point in or, or it's something that those hens on the view or something like that. It's it's that's what you do. When you're having a conversation among friends, it's okay to sort of just chime in here and there and conversation sort of moves along. When you're setting up in a presidential debate where you're supposed to sit down or a vice presidential debate where you're supposed to sit down and have some semblance of decorum and use reasonable manners, you let one person present their point of view, their argument, and you sit and you make eye contact and you nod or you whatever, you, you know, you just... You sit still, you listen, you behave yourself. And then when it's your turn, you speak. The other person does, they give you that same courtesy that you gave them. Well, at no point last night did Joe Biden do that. Uh, I believe that some people counted as many as 82 times where Joe Biden either laughed, guffawed, chortled, or just all out interrupted when Paul Ryan was talking. And that is just not something that you do. Listen, Barack Obama and Mitt Romney did not do that to one another for the most part. But last night, uh, Joe Biden, Grandpa Joe, had to do that repeatedly. And that's just, that's not appropriate behavior. It's not presidential behavior. And so from that point, I really thought that uh, Joe Biden really, in terms of style, was just, I thought that was horrendous. And I know some people were applauding that. There were actually Democrats that thought that that was a good tactic. They said, oh, that's Joe. You know, he's going on the attack and he's just not going to put up with Paul Ryan and he's not going to let him spew his lies and his bull crap. And that's fine, but it really makes you look bad. Whether or not he is trying to legitimately refute a point, you just don't do that. That's not the way to conduct yourself in a debate. And I know that, of course, had the shoe been on the other foot, and had Paul Ryan been doing that, oh boy, would we have heard it from the liberal punditry today. It would have been the talk of the town. So from that standpoint, I will say, um, you know, negative points for Joe Biden there. But I don't think either one of them won on the battle of substance. And, you know, style, I don't really care about style. Uh, I, I don't think Paul Ryan was particularly stylish either. He just happened to behave himself better than Joe Biden, who was just way out of left field. A few other notes, though. Um, it, it, during the actual debate and, and some of the substantive points here, A, Paul Ryan stepped in it big time last night. Joe Biden laid out the trap, and Paul Ryan took the bait and just walked right into it. It was really pretty embarrassing. So they're talking about the issues of the economy more specifically deficit spending and how Barack Obama passed the stimulus. The $850 billion that we wasted that wound up doing nothing for the economy. Now, if Paul Ryan had simply stated that, that would have been fine. The problem is Paul Ryan is a big hypocrite on the stimulus. While he was a congressman, he twice wrote letters asking for stimulus money for his state. And Joe Biden called him out on it last night. Paul Ryan was sitting there just slamming the stimulus, saying how the stimulus was ineffective. It didn't do anything. It didn't help create jobs. And Joe Biden looked at him and said, wait, wait, didn't you ask us for stimulus money for your state twice? And the reason that you gave was because it would help the economy and stimulate job growth. 
And Paul Ryan really didn't have an answer. He just sort of, ah, I don't, uh, he really tried to just fumble his way around and get out of it. And then he said, oh, you know, misappropriation or whatever. He, he tried to deflect. And so definitely Joe Biden got him on that. So I, I actually did give uh, Joe Biden a, a little bit of, a, of an edge for that. But then Paul Ryan, hey, look, he came out firing from the beginning as well. He got Joe Biden on the issue of Benghazi. Everybody knows that the Obama administration really screwed the pooch on Benghazi and our our Libyan embassy and the fact that we had four people killed as a result of a terror attack. Initially, the president tried to blame a YouTube video. YouTube was at fault or the guy that made that movie, that that ridiculous trailer that infuriated the Muslims. Look, everything infuriates the Muslims, you know. So the Obama administration tried to blame that. Or then they, then they, they said their, their spin was, oh, well, gee, you know, it's, it was a random attack. There was a lot of protests going on. It was a random thing. It was not a terrorist attack. Well, intelligence has since proven what the truth was. And the truth was it was a terror attack. In fact, not only was it a terrorist attack, but... There was warning that a terrorist attack was going to happen on our Libyan embassy before it happened. And uh, the Obama administration apparently didn't do anything about it. Uh, and then when it did happen, they, they denied that it, um, that it existed. They, they tried to play it off again as a random act of violence. Uh, they blamed it on YouTube and all this. And Paul Ryan called out President, or Vice President Biden about this last night during the debate and President Obama, for that matter. He said, this is the unraveling of the Obama foreign policy right here on your TV screens. You're seeing it right now. And he's absolutely right that the, the Obama administration's foreign policy is atrocious. It's just as atrocious as the Bush administration's foreign policy, which was just about as atrocious as the Bill Clinton foreign policy. The foreign policy that the United States has exhibited the last 20 years has been just abysmal. It has been completely awful. And uh, again, you saw it with this. The Obama administration lied about it. And I don't know, uh, Vice President Biden is supposedly this foreign policy wonk. You know, he's one of these dudes, oh, I, I, everybody just touts, I, 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 the best foreign policy. Believe me, he couldn't spin his way out of this last night. He said, well, you know, we didn't know right away and we didn't, we, we, we didn't want to go to the press and you were very quick to jump on and say, oh, no, this is a, this is, it's all a mistake. Uh, it's just a random act of violence. And now, of course, you knew right away that it wasn't. And you lied to the American people. And I, I can only postulate here, I can only speculate that the reason that you lied to the American people was to cover your own ass because you guys knew that there was a threat against our Libyan embassy and you did nothing. You knew that there were th there were threats going on. You knew that there were protests in Cairo and that things were getting heated there. And then you knew that in Libya, things were getting heated there and that there was, um, there was a credible threat and that intelligence says there was a credible threat and you did nothing. And as a result, our, our ambassador to Libya dead. Three other people dead. Humiliating. So I will give Paul Ryan a little bit of an edge for calling out the, the uh, Obama and Biden administration uh, for completely lousing up that situation, Benghazi. That was really embarrassing and a, a very much a low point for the Obama administration.
On other issues, I think they pretty much washed out. Uh, look, the economy is bad. We know that. It's generally speaking uh, the continuance of these bad policies from the president. But you can't throw him under the bus entirely because when you do so, you're also throwing the Republican Congress under the bus. You're throwing uh, other Democrats under the bus. You're throwing the entire United States government, which has been complicit in running up this $16 trillion debt. And it is, is exactly why I'm not voting for the red or the, or the blue Kool-Aid. And you shouldn't either. And I don't know why anybody would. Um, after watching that debate last night, I have other notes here. They talked about health care. Does anybody really believe the math that they've worked out? First of all, there were no specifics. Um, Paul Ryan had no real specifics. Uh, Joe Biden, when confronted about what the future of healthcare is, how much it's going to cost, they don't have the answers. They don't have the specifics either. It's just a mess. And that was what that debate was about. At at one point, I did note here, I also wrote that at one point, uh, Paul Ryan was facing a two-on-one uh, he was not only debating uh, Joe Biden, but he was also debating the moderator. You know, at one point I, I just started talking to the TV. I, I, I know I, I felt like I was getting delirious. I go, Martha, shut up. I'm just <laughs> sitting there staring at this. And I'm like, it shouldn't be a split screen. It should be like a, like they should cut the screen in thirds and have Martha in there too, because she's uh, sh- the moderator now. She's getting involved. My goodness. So it's bad enough that, Biden was interrupting 82 times. Then you had the moderator cutting in. So, look, I don't give this debate to either of the two. Um, I think the American people, of course, as usual, are the big losers in this kind of a debate. Because a lot of the issues that are confronting them, neither of these guys had an answer for. Oh, And I had several points in this debate where I just let out a, a very audible groan. And I could sort of sense... The American people were doing the same when they both started talking about Iran. All right. And our foreign policy over there. And apparently now that is the next country in our sights for war. And that is the Iranians. When that happened, I could very much sense. I don't know. Call it intuition. Call it a premonition. Call it. I don't know. Call it um, mass empathy. Whatever. But you could just sort of sense the air was being let out of the room there because now they're bringing this up and they're putting the military as a as an option, even if it's a last resort on the table for the Iranians because of their nuclear program. Da, 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 da. And I think people are just tired of hearing about that. I don't think people want any boots on the ground when it comes to the Iranians. I don't care what they're pursuing, whether it's a nuclear bomb, whatever it is. And Paul Ryan says, you know, now they have enough material for five bombs. Joe Biden says, well, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. We, we can't have a nuclear Iran. Look, um, I, I look at it this way. Um, I don't like Ahmadinejad. Okay, I don't like this Mahmoud Ahmadinejad over there in Iran. Um, I have long said on this show, all the way back seven, eight, nine, ten years, I don't even know, probably since I started doing this show, that Iran with a nuclear weapon is a dangerous thing. There's no question about it. And I'm sure the Israelis have plans to go and handle this situation. They did it to Saddam Hussein back in 1981. They took out his nuclear capabilities, his nuclear facility that he had, And I'm sure they're planning to do the same thing again because Iran is very close to having a delivery system for it. God knows how far away they are, if they're a year or five more years or whatever, but they've been working on it. They probably already have the capability. I don't know.
But um, there was definitely on my part, uh, just, I was like, ah, are we really going down this road too? Are we setting up the American people for another war? Are we leading into yet another war with the Iranians over this? Again, I, I fully admit, I think that Ahmadinejad with a nuclear bomb, when he has said that he doesn't want Israel around and he wants to wipe it off the face of the earth, I think that's dangerous. Russia with a nuclear bomb was also dangerous, or the Soviet Union with, with nuclear capabilities was dangerous. And you know what else? The United States with nuclear capabilities is dangerous. I kind of look at it as the optimist, pessimist, realist thing. You know how I always say um, uh, an optimist will loan you $100, a pessimist won't loan you $100, and a realist did loan you $100. That's the difference between an optimist, a pessimist, and a realist. Um, it's the same thing with the United States, Russia, and Iran when it comes to nukes. Um, you know, the, the Russians, the Soviets, didn't use a nuclear bomb. The Iranians might, and the United States did. I think my point is, and the point that a lot of American people, based on polls that I see, most people don't want us to get involved with the Iranians. We just want to leave the entire area alone. We want to just come home. And when I hear that we're still talking about spending more money on the military, whether it's from Joe Biden or Paul Ryan or Mitt Romney or Barack Obama, I just sit here and I, I kind of, I really believe the general pulse of the American people is, really, we're going to spend more money on the military or we're going to continue to spend 49% of our annual budget on military spending? We have, we're, we're, our military is in 170 countries. We have bases everywhere. We have hundreds of bases outside of the United States. Do we really need that? Do we need hundreds of bases outside the United States? When I hear both candidates talking about bloated military endeavors, and when I hear them talking about Afghanistan, where we're still there, whether we're drawing down or whether we're still going to hang out there for a couple more years, whatever the deal is, I, I again, I groan. Look, I think it's great that we got Osama bin Laden. I think it's great that we got rid of a lot of these Al-Qaeda cells. I have no problem with that. I never have. I have never had a problem with dealing with legitimate terror threats, especially from known terror organizations such as Al-Qaeda, who have, uh, you know, we, we foiled a plot uh, last year. They were going to blow up a, a bomb in Washington, D.C. Maybe that was Al-Qaeda. Maybe that was the Iranians. Whatever. I have no problem with still monitoring chatter overseas and all that sort of thing. All right? And going after some of these folks. But to put boots on the ground and to send in military combatants and to be sitting over there and interfering with the sovereignty of another country like Afghanistan. Uh, I just think uh, it is bad policy. We have been over there for 12 uh, years now or 11, 11 years. We'll have been there for 13 years when it's all said and done. If the 2014 timetable uh, is still what we're using for our basis for our last troops to leave there. We'll have been there 13 years. We'll have been in Iraq for God knows how long. I don't even know how long we're still going to have troops in Iraq. I mean, I, I, we're still going to have bases there. Just like we still have bases in Saudi Arabia. We are breeding generations of people to see us as occupiers in the Middle East. 
Do we really want to give another generation of people who already have a fairly bad disposition toward us even more reason to dislike us? Do we really want to embolden that hatred for the United States by having a presence, by, by having an occupying presence in all of these different countries? And we're talking about Syria. And what are we going to do with Syria? And we're saying, oh, we're not going to put boots on the ground there either. I don't know. It depends on who gets in power over there. Apparently, we're very afraid of that. Well, we've decided that that uh, King Assad or whatever, he's bad. Okay, he's bad, but we're going to get him out of there. Just like Egypt. Well, we want them to have elections. We want them to be democratic just as long as they elect the right people. You know, like, like who they had there before. As long as they're a puppet to the United States. As long as long as they play ball with the United States, we're fine. But as soon as they don't play ball with us, well, then we have a problem with that. You can't say that you're pro-democracy. And then as soon as they elect somebody that's terrible, you say, oh, well, we were just kidding about that. We're going to put in this person. See, whenever we get involved, whenever the United States starts meddling around with other countries' leadership, then we get guys like the Ayatollah. Then we get guys like... Ahmadinejad. Then we get people like Saddam Hussein. Then we get people that get crazy. That's what happens. Remember, we supported Saddam Hussein back in the 80s because the Iranians were attacking him. We felt, oh, geez, you know, poor Saddam. We get involved. Why do we get involved? And so I'm hearing vice presidential debates I'm hearing these these two guys. I'm hearing this foreign policy wonk in Joe Biden and Paul Ryan sit there and discuss a, a continued military presence outside of the United States. And I I just shake my head. I roll my eyes. I'm, I'm done with it. I, I said it years ago on this show. As soon as we're done in Iraq and Afghanistan, when we're done, we're done. We need to just be done. We need to just pick up Pick up our toys and go home. Uh, that means closing these military bases. Look, if these countries want us there, if they actually want us to be there, that's one thing. But most of these countries, they don't care one way or the other. They don't care if the United States has a base there or not. A, a lot of these countries would probably prefer we just pick up and go the hell home. They'd probably like us to leave. And if I were in charge, if it were President Groff, that's what would happen. It would be time to get these people home. Time to have the military pick up and come home. And you know what they could be doing? You know, we could be better spent using all of that money, that bloated budget, that 49% of our annual budget that we spend on the military. You know what we could, we could be using that for? Well, first of all, we'd be shelving some of that. We just put some of that away because that would go toward, I don't know, a balanced budget. But we could be using at least some of that toward infrastructure in this country. Yeah, I know. You know those 70,000 bridges that are in a state of disrepair? Maybe um, all that money that we, that we hold on to that just mysteriously disappears into the military-industrial complex. I mean, we could use some of that money, give some of that to these states and give some of that to the feds so that they could uh, fix up the bridges. Fix up the roads, fix up the infrastructure that is so lacking in this country. Oh, but we'll build the infrastructure of Iraq. We make sure that we build pipelines so people in Iraq can have 10 cent a gallon gas. That's right. 
while you're sitting there, you're in California right now, you're paying four five dollars a gallon for gas. Or if you're in the rest of the country and you're paying three fifty, three seventy five to four dollars a gallon for gas. Just just know that the United States tax dollars, your tax dollars, your working Joe tax dollars are going to help build pipelines in Iraq where people over there can pay 10 and 20 cents a gallon for gas. So thank thank God for for you, the American taxpayer, because you're helping the Iraqis get cheap gas while you're driving around and paying three fifty to four dollars a gallon. Or if you're in California or a few other select places, five dollars a gallon for gas. And you know who you have to blame for that? You have Joe Biden, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Republicans and Democrats. Congratulations on that. And those are the people that you continue to elect. You continue to elect people that will, that will spend ridiculous amounts of money in places where they can't even account for it on wars, on really what it is, is it's profiteering through military because that's what we do over there. We send just we we go over there. We conquer. Um, we take natural resources. We have no bid contracts to build infrastructure for those countries that we have just blown the hell out of. Which is awfully nice of us. We go over there. We blow you up, but then we rebuild you with our own tax dollars so that you can have cheap natural resources. And we we take some of it. I guess. I guess we take a little of it. But clearly we're not taking enough because if we were, uh, our gas wouldn't be $4 a gallon. It'd be awfully nice. But the, the writing's on the wall here, folks. I mean, and we do it under the guise of uh, restoring freedom and liberty to your country. But uh, I don't know. If I was sitting in Kabul today, if I was sitting in Baghdad or uh, Tikrit or any one of those other cities over there in Iraq or Afghanistan, I don't know how free I'd be feeling right about now. I don't know if I'd feel all that liberated because, A, I still have thousands and thousands of U.S. troops in my country. And I I don't know, I, my vote, I, I can go out and vote as long as I don't get blown up still because people are trying to take out these occupiers. Imagine, okay, imagine, you're in, insert city here, Dallas, Texas, or whatever. And you're, you go to walk to the convenience store, and there's a Canadian, you know, uh, like one of the Canadian mounted police is standing on the corner with a high-powered weapon. I know this is ridiculous because I don't think they have a single gun in Canada. But anyway, let's just say, insert whatever country. China, but well, hell, it should be China because they they own half of us anyway. They they own a, a ton of our debt. So imagine you go to walk to a convenience store. You're walking to Circle K or Seven Eleven, and uh, right there on the corner, there's a Chinese guy standing there with an AR-15. He's just hanging out. Eh, yeah, you know. He's just watching out, making sure that nothing goes wrong. He's a Chinese guy sitting there in the middle of Texas or in the middle of California or in the middle of whatever city you're in right now. I got to walk down to the corner. I got Chinese guys standing there occupying my city. You'd probably feel pretty trapped, wouldn't you? And then you go out at nine o'clock at night and they say, no, I'm sorry. You got to go home. So sorry. Head home. What if I don't? Well, then I shoot you. Because you are trespassing. You're out past a curfew. Yeah, but this is my city. 
No, actually, it's not. See, we've come in and we've taken over. Well, who the hell are you? Don't you know? We're the Chinese. See, and the United States is doing the exact same thing. We're like, hey, we're the United States, man. We're the U.S. We, we just walk in wherever we want, whenever we want. You know why? Because uh, there was a few people uh, that committed some pretty awful things in this country. So what we decided to do is we decided to take over the entire country because you you can't keep a handle on it yourself. So we decided to come in and we took over and that's what we're going to do. We did the same thing in Iraq because of Saddam Hussein. And listen, I have no problem with deposing Saddam Hussein. Had no problem with it. The problem was we should have deposed Saddam Hussein in 1991 when the rest of the world wanted him disposed of as well. Well, at least sort of. We went in there, we marched right on in, and then the United Nations said, yeah, you know, he's learned his lesson. See, uh, we should have said, no, he hasn't. He'll do the same thing again. As soon as he leaves, he'll kill his own people. General Schwarzkopf said exactly that. As soon as we leave, it's going to be trouble again. And uh, as soon as we left, guess what? Gassed his own people, killed a bunch of the Kurds. He didn't care. He killed mass graves everywhere. Saddam Hussein was a bad guy. He was more than a bad guy. He was a bad guy that invaded another country. And you know what we do to people that invade other countries, like Saddam Hussein? We go in there, we kick their ass, and then we're supposed to take them out. But the United States, oh, well, when we go and invade another country, that's okay. That's the foreign policy you get from Republicans and Democrats. That's the foreign policy you get. You get foreign policy of invasion. You get foreign policy of, of corruption. You get foreign policy of favoritism and cronyism. That's the kind of thing that you get from Republicans and Democrats. That's what you're getting. Congratulations on voting for that. And so when I heard them last night talking about Iran, and, and I wasn't the only one that felt this way. I know that because, I mean, you could just, you could like sense it as soon as they start talking about militaries, that there's groans. And I know that like, for example, when Paul Ryan talks about it, there's groans from the, from the Democrats. And then when Joe Biden talks about it, there's groans from the Republicans. But guess what? They're both groaning about the same thing. And that is military, military, military. Yeah, I know. There's a portion of people in this country that are like, yeah, we got to go over there. We going to bomb ourselves. Some of them tail heads. You know, there's people that do that. And that's fine. I know that there's a, a culture of that in this country. Uh, but that's not the majority anymore. The majority of this country is not, yeehaw, let's go blow us up some crap. Let's go and turn that desert into nothing but glass. And I'll admit, hey, look, after 9-11, I wanted vengeance too. And I wanted to go in there. And whoever was responsible, I wanted to brought to justice or I wanted him killed. I didn't really care, frankly. And I always feel that way. If, if another country, if another country attacks the United States, you know what you do? You strike back and you strike back so fervently and you strike back with such force that there's no way they're ever going to do that again. And I'm all for that. And if a terror organization launches an attack in the United States, you go after them. So don't get me wrong here. I'm not some pacifist. I have never been some pacifist, some, ah, man, it's cool. We'll all just sit around and, and hug a tree. No, that's not how it goes. But you also can't be one of these uh, peace through strength guys. That early 20th century philosophy that walk softly and carry a big stick thing, that's worked out so well for us, hasn't it? Peace through strength. Look, I, I respected Ronald Reagan a great deal because there was the Cold War, and I understood we didn't launch nukes at Russia. 
We didn't run into Russia with ground troops or with spec ops teams and blow stuff up over there. And they didn't do the same thing to us. We had the, the concept of mutually assured destruction. Even if the Iranians do develop a nuclear bomb, do you really think they're going to use it on Israel? I mean, they might. Look, Ahmadinejad is crazy. But is he that crazy? Do you think he's that crazy? Because he, you, you understand that if he does that, not only would Israel strike back with a nuke, but the United States would do the same thing as well. We have intercontinental ballistic missiles. We can sit back here. A, a guy in Colorado can, can get the launch codes from the president, turn a key, and we can blow up Tehran. So do you really think, and this is an honest question, this is a, a very intellectually honest question, do you really think that even if the Iranians do get a nuclear bomb, do you really think they're going to use it? And you know, maybe they would. But I can tell you this, if they did, it would be their destruction. It would be the end of them. And I'll tell you what, Israel probably won't let them get one. And that's Israel. The United States should tell Israel, look, you do what you got to do. We, we're not going to endorse you going in there, but we're not going to tell you not to do it. We're going to tell you to handle your foreign policy the way you feel best. We're not going to involve ourselves in the foreign policy and the foreign affairs of all these other countries. We're going to deal with what we've got going on. We'll trade with you guys. We'll hang out. We'll be cool. We'll trade with anybody that, that wants to as long as, you know, it's a fair trade. None of this NAFTA, Shafta, CAFTA BS anymore. We'll, we'll do that. But we're not going to we're not going to be the world's police force anymore. We're not going to do that. That's not our our goal. That is not our purpose. It is not set aside specifically in the United States Constitution that we should be the world's police force. The world doesn't want us as the world's police force, except sometimes they want us to be the world's checkbook and hand out free stuff. And we're going to stop doing that. That's what we need to do. So when I hear these candidates going off about, oh, man, I... Uh, yeah, we, we've got to put the military on the option. Uh, or military is an option. It's on the table as an option for uh, the Iranians. It's grown. Grown city, man. The other big moment that was just a really roll your eyes and uh, a really kind of moment it was right at the end of the debate. I don't know how many of you caught this because some of you probably dozed off or went back to watching the baseball playoffs, which is really what you should have been doing because, man... The baseball playoffs have been so good. They really have. Um, and I'll get into that later. But the other big, like, roll your eyes moment here was right at the end of the debate, They each candidate was asked about how religion plays a role in their decisions. And I just, I sat there and again, just audibly, I said, really? This is an issue in a vice presidential debate? Whether or not people talk to a man in the sky, that's really a big thing. I mean, I guess it should be. I guess I, I should want to know if a guy I'm electing that has their finger on the button is going to talk to God before he does it or not. If he's going to start talking to, to things, I, I don't know, rocks or statues or whatever the hell they believe in. If they're going to go around and have drum circle or whatever the hell it is they're going to do. I guess I should know that. So in a way, I, I guess it's informative. But on the other hand, really, I, I don't want religion in politics. I don't want it there. And both guys gave an answer that I just was like, okay, whatever. Well, uh, you know, and Joe Biden, he got, Grandpa Joe got real serious there for a minute. He goes, um, 
my religion is very personal to me and I take it very seriously, but you know, I, it, it defines who I am and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, no, it, it doesn't, they, he tried to make it sound like it doesn't play a role, but clearly I guess it, it might, I don't know. I, I don't know. Grandpa Joe definitely strikes me as an atheist who's playing the role of, I believe in, in Catholicism. I'm a Catholic because, you know, if he says that he's not, then right away, you're going to piss off some of those, some of those voters in this country. If you speak out against religion or not even speak out against religion, but if you just say, look, man, I'm not really religious. That's like a big, oh my God, you're not religious. If you do that in this country, you are doomed. And Paul Ryan is a big, big time, big time God-fearing dude. He's a big time God guy, I guess. And so I wasn't very satisfied with either one of those answers either last night. Ugh. Again, I'm not sitting here. I'm not an atheist, all right? I, I've always considered myself an agnostic. I am willing to sit here and say, I don't know. When it comes to religion, Mike, what do you think, what do you think happens after you die? I don't know. I really don't. I'm going to find out one day or another, sooner or later, maybe tomorrow, maybe in, in 2072. But I am going to one day find out, just like everybody else, what happens when you die. But I'm not going to sit here and claim to know until, well, until I know. But I mean, I also hate it. I, I hate it when I see elected officials go, well, uh, sat there and talked to God and you know it's funny how whenever these guys they sit down and they talk to God God always tells them what they want to hear well you know President Bush well I sat and prayed about it I sat and prayed about it when it came to what to do with Iraq and it, you know God told me I should go in there oh God told you that so God told you what you were already going to do He's, he gave you the okay the green light man I wish I wish God would give me the green light to do it well uh, you know uh God said I should go out and, and get ripping drunk tonight. So I did. You know, I, I asked God. I was I, I got ready to go. I, I showered, I shaved, I got all ready to go. I um got dressed up, got set to go out. I was just about to walk out the door, but then I went, you know what? I'm gonna ask God what I should do. And as it turns out, I I I, I kneeled down, I folded my hands, I prayed, I asked God, God, should I go out and get ripping drunk? And you know what he said? He said, Yes. And so I did. I went out and I got ripping drunk. <laughs> are, you, are you guys kidding me with this? Why is that in the debate? Why? Is that going to be in the next presidential debate too? Is it going to be in the third one? Is it going to be an issue? Are we going to bring up God again? Are we going back to this? I didn't want to hear it last night. I don't want to hear it in future presidential debates. Do not care. Do not have an interest. You know what I care about? I care about what are we going to do with the $16 trillion debt? And unless God mysteriously uh, appears and gives us an answer, then I don't want to hear about it. Then again, I guess I don't really want to hear from either one of these two buffoons anyway. It's already clear who I'm voting for, and it's not one of them. So forget it. You know what I heard on the radio the other day? I have to point this out too. So now the new spin is if you're not in a battleground state, it's okay to vote for a third party. But if you're in Florida or Ohio or Pennsylvania or one of these states where it's very close right now, uh, you are doing a great disservice to either Republican or Democrat, depending on who's giving that spin job of an answer. 
you're doing a great disservice to that. You're voting for the other candidate by voting third party. But if you're not in a battleground state, if you're in a state like Texas or Arizona or North Dakota or whatever, if you're in one of those states where it's very much a foregone conclusion who's going to win, then go ahead and vote for a third candidate or a third party candidate. And, you know, after the election, then you start voting for the third party candidates on a broad basis and you start getting them to, into all levels of government. No, that is the wrong answer. And whoever says that is an idiot and they're automatically discredited in their opinion because that is why we're in the mess that we're in now. Because people go, well, I, I wanted to vote for a third party candidate, but I, I felt I was wasting my vote. I thought I was just voting for the other guy by doing that. So I had to I had to vote for the lesser of two evils. See, that's what happens. It's the procrastination voter mentality. Well, I'll put it off till tomorrow. I'll put off voting for Gary Johnson. I'll, I'll put off voting for the Green Party or the Libertarian Party or the Constitution Party. I'll put off voting for that person tomorrow because I have to vote for the lesser of two evils today to keep the greater of two evils out. That's why we're in the mess that we're in. I mean, yeah, we can blame George Bush and Barack Obama and Bill Clinton and, and, and any other politician you want. And they've certainly screwed up. That's fine. Put the blame there. But the real culpability for a lot of the mess that we're in right now lies at the feet of the American voting public. The people that continue to vote in the same Democrats and the same Republicans, the same two parties, and you expect things to change. They're not going to change. Hope and change in that particular case does not exist. You are voting for the same people that have the same corporate interests. Yeah, they say things a little differently. It's just like, it's like wanting different soft drink options and you keep voting for Coke and Pepsi. You keep going for Coke and Pepsi. And guess what? Coke and Pepsi are going to keep giving you Coke and Pepsi. They're not going to allow in alternative choices. All right, that's just not how it's going to work. It's time people in this country went on a diet from Coke and Pepsi and they started, I don't know, drink some water for God's sake. <laughs> that's what my doctor said the other day too. Hey man, so you might've heard of this thing called water, kind of covers like 70% of the earth. Might want to mix that into your diet, Mike. I said, really? All I know of is Gatorade and Coke Zero and beer. I definitely know of beer. Look, it's Oktoberfest, man. I, I can't just can't just start drinking this water crap now. He didn't find the same humor in it that I did. Oh well. Look, I didn't mean to go on for fifty minutes. My, I, I have a sore throat. Listen, I, I'm clearly uh, very um, trying to soldier through it, but I, I I made a lot of notes. As it turns out, I had a lot to say about all this stuff, but. That was the the circus that was the vice presidential debate last night. It was crazy. And then I checked out a lot of the post-debate coverage, not only on the radio here, but also I, I checked out MSNBC, Fox News, and I just, I got to the point where I went, okay, I've, I've heard enough. And uh, I finally uh, just turned it over to the Major League Baseball playoffs. You talk about great. These baseball playoffs have been fantastic. I, I was very critical of Major League Baseball for adding this ridiculous wild card play-in game or whatever the hell you want to call it, this bonus playoff game. And I thought that was ridiculous. But the postseason, the the NL and ALDS series have, have been great, um, especially the American League. Who would have thought 
that the Oakland A's, who came into the playoffs, they were they were hot. They they looked like they were just going to steamroll in there because they were riding a, a huge high. They came back from 13 games down. They won their division. They beat out Texas the last day of the regular season, got in there. They won. They looked like... Then they, they ran into the Detroit Tigers. They ran into the buzzsaw that was Verlander and Max Scherzer. And then it looked like all hope was lost. Then they came back to tie the series at two games apiece. Then last night, they totally laid an egg. Well, they didn't really lay an egg. Look, this is one of those cases where I will tell you right now, it's not so much that Detroit was better, it's that Verlander is better. Uh, Verlander, by himself, shut down the Oakland A's, and that was the end of that. That series was over. And then I watched well into the night, 13 innings, Yankees, Orioles, and I couldn't believe it. The Yankees had so many opportunities to win that game, put away the Orioles. The Orioles, who I have said all year, are just ridiculous. Uh, I don't even understand how that team got to the postseason. They're not good. They strike out a lot. But somehow that team, they get they get timely hits just when they need them. That is the luckiest team. And they have Buck Showalter as a manager, so automatically they're handicapped right away. And they have Mark Reynolds. So you have a guy that strikes out a ton and you have one of the worst managers ever, and yet somehow you're still in the postseason and now you forced a game five with the New York Yankees. And even though it's at Yankee Stadium, somehow, somehow, some way you're going to pull that off. Every series went to game five. The Reds, they choked it away. Dusty Baker, well, he showed his true colors as a bad manager also. Dusty Baker uh, mismanaged that and the Reds uh, lost. So they, um, so the San Francisco Giants going on to the NLCS and the Washington Nationals. I'll tell you what, I, uh, I'm a big fan. I really am. I talk about good pitching and again, not a great lineup, but timely hitting and great pitching. And I, I think that the Nationals, they still have a chance. Obviously, it's going game five tonight. It's in D.C. Looks like, looks like, and I'll just say it right now. I mean, I, this, this is one of those predictions that very easily could blow up in my face. But I think the Nationals are going to beat the Cardinals tonight. I think they're going on to the uh, NLCS to play the Giants. And I really, if the, if that is indeed the case, I would give the Nationals uh, a big advantage in that series over the Giants. I know everybody says, well, the Giants, they, they can really hit on the road and they're, they've really pulled it out and, and the pitching has, has come back and Bruce Bochy is a great manager. Look, Bruce Bochy has turned out to be a very good manager. He's played this like it was the World Series. He has managed the hell out of those Giants. And a team that was left for dead after Melky Cabrera got his 50-game suspension has now come back, and they're looking like they could very easily go to the World Series. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I don't know. I don't know of the remaining teams. I don't know who's going to the World Series. It could be any of them. It is totally wide open, and that's what's been so compelling about this postseason in Major League Baseball. These games have been fantastic. And I love the fact that you really don't know on any given night. These teams, even though some of them look like they're just overrated and terrible, they wind up pushing their opponent to the limit. And all of these series have gone the distance. It's incredible. I love it. Best postseason in baseball I've seen in recent memory.
All right. In fact, the, not only uh, is it the best postseason I've seen, apparently a lot of people would agree because last night the Major League Baseball playoffs beat out Thursday night football. And I know it was the Steelers uh, against Tennessee, and that's a snore fest. But still, when you beat out football in the United States, that's something. And Major League Baseball uh, had the better ratings last night. Yeah, they didn't beat the debates. They should have, but then people like me were just sitting there watching the debates, trying to do something good for this show. I do it for you folks. I sit there, I subject myself to these awful vice presidential debates and some of these awful things just so I have something to talk to you guys about, just so I can keep you in the know, just so you folks understand what's really going on. It's my little slice of service to you, the home audience. Hey, look, no need to thank me. If you really want to thank me, actually, you can donate to the program, Mike at KMGX.com. That's my PayPal address. Donations always appreciated. Just, hey, listen, just throwing it out there. I could have sat there and watched the postseason. We could have done just a baseball podcast. That would have been fine. I don't mind doing a baseball. I've done one before. A couple of years ago, I... I I was going to get into that. I was going to get into uh, doing different themed podcasts. We're going to do like a sports podcast and then just do a, a news and sort of political talk one. And I don't know. That's just, that's too much. I love to just glob it all together. Just throw everything together, put it all in the blender, see what happens, hit puree. And then we get this, we get this program. Like for example, coming up in just a few minutes, um, we're going to take a look at the pop chart. I also, I have to point out, the last time we did the pop chart segment, I gave you a chart that was a little bit out of date. As it turns out, um, Paula Abdul is not number one anymore. No, actually, uh, it was it was about a three-month-old chart. <laughs> Whoops. So what happens, uh, literacy is important in this country. Listen, I'm a victim of public education. What can I tell you? I didn't follow directions. So the actual up-to-date pop chart will get you that. I know, imagine. Uh, we also have a Michael Groff Show flashback. It is, after all, election season, so we have an election season-related brutal memory <laughs> from four years ago. And so much more still to get into. You know how we uh, roll here. MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff-related. It is the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. More of this excitement coming up. There aren't any words in a thesaurus or dictionary to describe how purely mediocre this show really is. Okay, can I get a translation? Because that was gibberish. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show.
care. The president's copying that idea. I'm glad to hear that. What if Mitt Romney is being embraced by voters who want anyone but Barack Obama? But they don't realize that Mitt Romney might as well be Barack Obama on everything from war. What if we can make elections matter again? 80% of Americans right now are saying they would vote for a third-party candidate. Want to rebel this year? Then vote for Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson. Be libertarian with me one time. Sometimes you picture me I'm walking too far ahead You're calling to me I can't hear what you said You say go slow And I fall behind The second hand unwinds If you're lost, you can look And you will find me Time after time If you fall, I will catch you Back with segment number two. It's the zip code famous Michael Graf Shell on a Friday, October 12th, 2012. Yes. Have you ever been reading a news article or whatever, a blog, any type of material, and you skim through it, and you know, you don't really give it much of a second thought or you absorb the information and then you go about the rest of your day or some time passes and then later you sort of start scratching your head going, wait a minute, did I see what I thought I saw in there? I, I have to go double check. So that's exactly what happened to me today while I'm prepping for the show. I read a whole bunch of stuff and I made notes and I'm just looking over these during the time between segments here and I remember I came across... The blog of Mark Cuban. He's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Don't even ask me how I got there. I, I don't even know. And I, I can't believe that somebody that's as smart as Mark Cuban, he owns an NBA franchise. He's a big time like a computer guy, computer mogul. I can't believe that he would be one of these guys that has a blog and a website and he says absolutely nothing. But that's exactly what he said. I read over this. And at first, when, the first time I read this, I went, okay, that makes sense. Now I'm like, wait a minute. This makes no sense. He writes on his blog, quote, I'm not saying you should or should not vote for either of the candidates. That is up to you. Nor am I saying that economic issues should be the only factor in who you should vote for. Everyone needs to make their own decisions, just as I will make my own decision on November 6th. When I first read that, I said, gee, okay. Then I realized he said absolutely nothing. He said, hey, you can vote for whoever you want. I'm going to vote for whoever I want. Hey, the economy, I'm not saying that should be the only issue. You vote for whatever you, whoever you want for whatever reason you want. Somebody needs to tell Mark Cuban, just because... There are programs or software or ways in which you can construct a blog very easily. Doesn't mean that you should. Just because there's all this web space out there on the internet doesn't mean you need to necessarily post your opinion, especially when your opinion is, 
I don't really have an opinion or I'm not going to share mine. You have your own reasons for voting for things. I have my own reasons. The old adage here is stating the obvious doesn't necessarily make you sound smart. Uh, you vote for whoever you want for whatever reason you want. I've got my own reasons. That's it. We'll see what happens. Great. Thanks a lot, Mark. You know, I know I come down on guys that run businesses that make polarizing statements, like the guy that ran uh, that runs Chick-fil-A when he says, hey, I believe in traditional families. To me, man, a customer is a customer. So I, I, I know I come down for people uh, or on people that make these ridiculous statements, but if you make a statement that says absolutely nothing at the same time, you look just as dumb, don't you think? Oh, man. All right. Well, whoa, one more thing on the vice presidential debate. I hate to come back to this because we spent so much time on it in the opening segment. But this is pretty big. Joe Biden really made the BS meter go nuts last night. Uh, he stepped in it big time here on one other issue. So at one point, he is lecturing Paul Ryan about how Republicans put things on the credit card like two wars and you just can't do that. Well, Joe Biden did the exact same thing. Uh, in fact, Joe Biden voted for both the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, here's the clip, by the way, where Joe excoriates Paul Ryan and Republicans uh, for their for their spending policies. Uh, from last this great recession if it fell out of the sky like oh my goodness where did it come from it came from this man voting to put two wars in a credit card to at the same time put a prescription drug benefit in the credit card a, a trillion dollar tax cut for very wealthy i was there i voted against him i said no we can't afford that liar oh, what a liar joe biden here it is september 14th 2001 Joe Biden authorized the war in Afghanistan. Then, October 11th, 2002, almost exactly 11 or 10 years ago today, 10 years ago today, Joe Biden authorizes unilateral military action in Iraq. So he says, I voted against them. I voted against all this stuff. No, you didn't. You voted for... The war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan. Something that, as you say, we put on our credit card. See, this just furthers my argument, though, that both of these guys are two sides of the same coin. They're both the same thing. Republicans and Democrats, really, they're, they're both identical on these issues. Uh, can't you see it? Can't you really just see that these guys, they'll try to tell you, oh, no, 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 I was against it the whole time. Just like, remember John Kerry? Oh, I voted for the $87 billion before I voted against it. Well, Joe Biden says, hey, man, I was against it the whole time. Well, no, not according to your voting record. Again, September 14th, 2001. Nope. You voted for You voted for it. You voted for our, our action in Afghanistan. And then 2002, October 11th, 2002. Unilateral military action in Iraq. You voted for it. Way to go, Joe. Way to uh, just really expose yourself. Now, the fact that Paul Ryan didn't call you out on it, well, look, he's not very savvy either. All right? At least he, if he was you, he would have just jumped in and interrupted. Hey, if it were me, I would have done that too. I'm not saying I'm very presidential, but here's the, the difference between the two of us. I'm not running for office. 
I, I don't think I could. I could not stand there and listen to Joe Biden BS his way through a debate like that. I don't know. Maybe I could. Maybe I'd be patient. I'd just lay it on him all at the end. I'd say, here, I'm just going to let him have like 60 minutes to bloviate and then I'll just rebut everything that he says. All right. Oh, and you had to know this was going to happen. Did you see Michael Vick? He's back in the news. He owns a dog again. Yeah. The guy that went to jail for 18 months after torturing dogs, killing dogs, participating in an illegal dogfighting ring, who was told as a condition of his being released from jail, uh, one of the things was you're not to own a dog anymore. Now, I don't know how long that condition was to last. I don't know if that was just for a few months or for the rest of his life. I do know that he wasn't supposed to own a dog. Well, now he has a dog again. That's great. Nothing like letting a guy have an animal who has proven that he's just a, a bastard. I mean, he really is. I'm sorry, but if you kill a dog on purpose, if you shove electrodes into a dog's ass, if you take dogs and put their heads underwater, and I'm sorry for laying out the graphic details here for people that are sensitive about this sort of thing and just don't even want to hear this story ever again. And if you take dogs and you put them into a dog fighting ring, doesn't that pretty much forfeit you the right to ever possess an animal? Oh, man, I just, I want to do good things. And I know there's people out there that really think, hey, he paid his debt to society. Leave the guy alone. Cut the guy a break. I don't think he should have been back in the NFL. I root against this guy like nothing else. I don't care that he paid his debt to society. Hey, he paid his debt to society in terms of what the law says, but he hasn't paid his debt to society as far as I'm concerned. Because guess what? Until he somehow becomes a priest capable of resurrecting the dead animals, all the animals that he killed, and erasing their memories of that torture that he inflicted upon them. And, you know, fine, he ran a gambling ring also. Now, it wasn't just him. There was a bunch of other people involved, too. They're all bastards as well. But for him to be out of jail, having a successful career again, and owning a dog shows you that justice did not prevail. It shows you that people will be able to get away with things like this again. Michael Vick owning a dog. That's just, that's just fantastic, isn't it? Uh, speaking of total bastards, uh, from from bad to worse, Jerry Sandusky is still in denial. He he still says he didn't do it. I don't have to say allegedly anymore when I say Jerry Sandusky, pedophile, boy molester, child molester, general creep, and all around douchebag, one of the most despicable human beings in the universe is right there again. You know, he's still out there. You know who's also coming to his defense is his wife. His wife is like, hey, he's being persecuted. He's being persecuted because he molested kids, lady. I know you're his wife. Till death do us part and all this ridiculous nonsense. Uh, no, look, I'm sorry, but if... If you're married to somebody and they molest children, you can pretty much throw the wedding vows out the window. I, I'm not a priest. I'm not a uh, moralist here. I'm just telling you how it is. There comes a point where you, you have to put down the Kool-Aid. 
the guy is still out there. He's saying, I didn't do it. Okay, I'm sorry. The mountain of evidence is overwhelming. I know the sentencing is coming up. He's supposed to, well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I don't know. If I were the judge, I'd just pull out a 357 right there and just finish it. But I, I think throwing him into Gen Pop is just as, just as good. I can't wait for the people in Gen Pop to get a hold of this guy. That'll be nice. I know what you're going to say. Well, Mike, if you were accused of, of committing a crime that you didn't commit, you know you didn't do it. You'd be just as firm. Look, I'd be going crazy. But I also wouldn't have been calling the homes of little boys and leaving them provocative messages and I wouldn't have been talking to kids about my genitalia and I wouldn't have been, well, I wouldn't have been in, in a room alone with kids all the time. Um, you know, look, don't put yourself in that position. Just like people that would say that Michael Jackson was innocent. I'm sorry, but the very first time, if I was Michael Jackson and I ever got accused of something improper with a kid, not maybe not even molesting, but just being a little weird around kids. You know what I would do? I would never have a kid over to my house again because I would look at it this way. I would say better to just keep, keep myself away from all of that, better to keep my fortune, better to keep my reputation because let's face it, once your reputation's gone, it's almost impossible to get it back. And once you have the reputation for being a boy lover, a child molester, you're pretty much never going to get that back. Pretty much that's the stigma you're going to live with for the rest of your life. Jerry Sandusky is another one of these dudes too. I didn't do it. Okay, sure you didn't. This isn't one of those things where there's one case, it's he said, she said, or whatever. It's not one of those. Yeah. The evidence against you is Mount Everest. Your defense is, well, I don't know if you even have a defense at this point. Uh, more tools in the news, more despicable human beings. I know it's very negative today. It's a very negative show. Did you see this woman? Elizabeth Escalona or Escalona. She's a mother in the Dallas area. She's been sentenced to 99 years in prison for beating her two-year-old daughter and gluing the child's hands to a wall. Parent of the year right here, Escalona, faced from probation to life in prison. There, there's, a, there's a wide sentence birth right there. Well, you might just get away with probation. You might go to jail for life. Ah, who knows? Let's spin the wheel of justice. Prosecutors are seeking 45 years behind bars. A state district judge uh, decided her sentence on Friday. So she's been convicted. She's being locked away. They finally settled on 99 years in jail. Police say that Escalona attacked two-year-old Jacqueline Sedeo because of potty training problems. The 23-year-old pleaded guilty in July to felony injury to a child. Police records show Escalona's other children told authorities that she kicked Jacqueline in the stomach and hit her with a jug in September of 2011. They said Escalona glued Jacqueline's hands to the wall with a type of strong adhesive known as super glue. Jacqueline suffered bleeding in her brain, multiple bruises, and was in a coma for a couple of days. 
99 years. Put her and Jerry Sandusky in the same Gen Pop prison. Make sure you throw them in there with all the murderers, with some of the mob guys. Make sure you put them in there with uh, some of the, yeah, the hard, the gangsters. They're very sympathetic to those type of people. Child molesters and child abusers. They generally fare really well in prison. This is definitely where my conviction on the death penalty has wavered over the years. I used to be Mr. Capital Punishment. I mean, steal a candy bar from a convenience store. I mean, that was really, I was really into the death penalty, I have to tell you. But it's gotten to the point now where I know I've really wavered on it. I've definitely drifted toward the middle. But when I read a story like this, when I hear about Jerry Sandusky or these uh, this abusive mother or any of that, I am still in favor of just cramming a needle right into their arm. It would really do society a favor. It would do just the gene pool a big favor. But then I think about it. Why? Why let them off the hook that easy? Throw them in the general population in prison. Put them in one of those the worst prisons in the country. I don't know. Ship them off to a Russian prison. I don't care. But send them off someplace deep and dark into the prison system and make sure that everybody knows why they're in there. And I'm pretty sure that... Um, the natural cycle of things in the prison system will take place. Everything will work itself out in the form of one of these two will get a toothbrush shank right to the jugular. And there we go. Taxpayers' problem solved. Society's problem solved. And um, that's, I mean, wash your hands of the whole thing. And I know people would say that's very cruel and that's horrible and that's very barbaric way of thinking. No, it's not. This is child molestation, child rape, child abuse. It doesn't get any lower than that. You cannot possibly get any lower than child rape, child abuse, gluing a two-year-old's hands to the wall, two-year-old girl's hands to a wall. You're going to tell me that it gets any lower than that. You're going to tell me that these people don't deserve not only a maximum punishment, not only a life in prison of some kind, but uh, if they got shanked, just let's just say... Theoretically, hypothetically, if they got shanked in prison by somebody, I would say that that pretty much is fitting. I mean, if you were uh, one of the families of these of these uh, kids that got molested by Jerry Sandusky, I think you would take that. I think you'd almost take that over a $60 million payout from the university, from Penn State. Well, maybe not. Maybe you'd like to have both. I don't know. I'd be satisfied with the shanking. I really would. All right. I'd probably do it myself. Uh, Mike at KMGX.com is the email address. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Groff on Twitter, Groff Show on GTalk, and of course, the one and only MichaelGroff.com. For everything else Michael Groff related, we do have to take a break. I have so much other stuff to get to. Plus, we have to take a look at the pop chart, the correct and updated pop chart. We have a Michael Graff Show flashback still to get to and so much more still coming up after this. Michael Graff Show. It's the zip code famous. Michael Graff Show.
think the campaign has finally shifted. The momentum is really, really gone the other direction in this thing because everyone's been on pins and needles for this endorsement, waiting to see. As it turns out, Lindsay Lohan is now supporting Mitt Romney. That's right. She's on, she's on Mitt's uh, bandwagon. As you know, Mitt Romney and his supporters are definitely very tolerant to people like Lindsay Lohan. Very forgiving. <laughs> I know that if I was running for office, I know that if I was running for anything whatsoever, the Lindsay Lohan endorsement would be, well, that would be paramount to me. I can't believe that was actually a headline someplace. Uh, Lindsay Lohan has changed horses. She's now backing Mitt Romney. That's big news. That is news you can use right there. I'm glad that a journalist invested the time and that uh, that some newspaper actually devoted space, both uh, in print and on their website, to let us know that Lindsay Lohan has given her endorsement to Mitt Romney. She out of jail yet? Lindsay Lohan, is, is she back in jail or is she standing before a judge? Is she uh, Does she set up like a cot in a courtroom someplace? Does the arraignment judge in Southern California, do arraignment judges know her by her first name now? Are they on a first name basis? Oh, hey, Lindsay, how's it going? $50 bail, okay, $100, $500 bail, remand, whatever. I know, it's... I can't believe that somehow took up space. And I, I, of course, I had to pass it along to you because, as you know, that's very important news. And we only deliver the most important stuff here. All right. Well, on that note, uh, speaking of the most important stuff. It is time to take a look at the top 10 songs in the world of of the pop chart. Yes. These are the 10 most played songs on radio stations across the United States. And actually, this list is current, unlike the last time we did this segment where I gave you a three-month-old chart. Well, look, hey. Nobody, we're not all perfect here, all right? This, this show doesn't have a budget. I don't have anybody else to produce this thing. I don't know whatever happened to Disgruntled Voice Guy. Listen, I'm, I'm, it's a one-man show here, all right? All right, number 10 on the pop chart this week. Oh, look. Speaking of people, speaking of repugnant individuals. Can I just say something about this, dude? I, I hope I don't really speak out of turn, but is there a bigger pussy than Chris Brown? Is there? Uh, I say that because he's number 10 with Don't Wake Me Up. Too much light in this window. Ooh, don't wake me up. Don't wake me up. Only coffee, no sugar. Oh, yeah. Inside my cup. I beat up women. If I wake and you're here still, smack them around. Look, I'm sorry, but I don't see how this guy could beat up anybody. 
Oh yeah, hardcore. Don't wake me up, Don't wake me up, Speaking of somebody you want to put in gen pop. So he's got the number 10 song. I guess, not that I follow this, but I, I did hear that he's talking to Rihanna again. Some people just love trouble. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with Rihanna. I don't know what's wrong with Chris Brown. Well, I know what's wrong with Chris Brown. He's a pansy and he's a woman beater. Doesn't get any lower than that. You are a, just a despicable person. Number nine, I just can't take it. Number nine, it's Florida with Whistle. Can you blow my whistle, baby? Whistle, baby, let me know. Girl, I'm gonna show you how to do it and we start real slow. You just put your lips together and you come. Oh, it's another sexual innuendo song. From Florida or on the pop chart in general. There's a surprise. See, because whistle is another thing for oral sex, I guess, or something. I don't know. I'm betting you like people. Yeah, for our less hip people in the audience. I thought I would just let you know. It's just so bad. All right, number eight. Alex Clare with Too Close. Might be okay if it weren't for that. Sound is like making my stomach go back and forth. I don't know. Like I'm on a boat. Alright, at number seven on the chart, it's uh, Neon Trees. With Everybody Talks. Not sure how to feel about that, but at least it's not Chris Brown or or Florida. So anything that's not Chris Brown, Florida, or any of these, you know, these poppy-ish sounding things, I'm I'm kind of I'm alright with. I'm alright with this. Number six this week. Well, I'm not necessarily alright with this. It's Owl City featuring Carly Ray Jespin. Jepson. She's that uh, call me maybe chick. 
This is called Good Time. On the right side of the bed. Yeah. What's up with this Prince song inside my head? Ugh. Hands up if you're down to get down tonight. Hands up if you're down to get down tonight. Slept in all my clothes like I did. Oh my god. Hopped into a cab, take me anywhere. Who's listening to this? In if you're down to get down tonight. Look, really white. FM people shouldn't say I'm down if you're down to get down tonight or whatever. So call me maybe. Okay. This is the same Owl City that put out that horrible song Fireflies. Yeah. All right, number five, it's fun with some nights. Some nights I stay up cashing in my padlock. Some nights I call it a draw. Yeah. Some nights I wish that my lips could build a castle. Some nights I wish they just fall off. But I still wake up, I still see a ghost. Oh Lord, I'm still not sure what I stand for. Number four, I don't know what I have against this particular artist. I just, I guess all of her songs just sound the same, like a lot of the songs on the pop chart, but I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not a fan. I've never really been into this kind of stuff. It's uh, Taylor Swift. I remember when we broke up the first time, saying this is it, I've had enough. Like we hadn't seen each other in a month when you said you needed space. What? Then you come around again All right. and say, baby, what? You when I swear okay, I can't take it. Number three, it, from bad to worse, it's Justin Bieber, everybody. With as as long as you love me. You know, he was in Phoenix recently. He gave a concert where he threw up twice on stage. Even he hates his own music. I could sing like that. What you do is, if you're a guy, if you want to sing like that, just you take your testicles, right? And you grip them as tight as possible. And while you're doing that, you insert an object into your ass. The sacrifices I'm willing to make for this show. Or you just are born without testicles in the first place, and that's how you sound like this also. Have we checked his DNA to make sure he's a dude? Because I don't think you're going to find out any other way. All right, number two. Believe it or not, an artist I actually do like. Even though it's a it's a, it's a a pop tune and I'm, you know, I, I just had to turn that off, by the way. I, I, I couldn't take it. 
But uh, number two, an artist I, I actually kind of like. It's Pink with Blow Me. One last kiss. I don't know why I like Pink. Out of all the pop artists there are, I don't know why she's like, I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't know. I've heard her interviewed. I, I think, I don't know. There's just something about her I, I, I guess I like. I like it though. I mean, it's, just, it's not like something I would listen to necessarily independently, but if, you know, if it came on someplace, I, I wouldn't have an objection. I don't know. It's just one of those things you can't really explain it. I wouldn't even call it a guilty pleasure. I, I just, I guess she's one of those chicks. She's not never going to be like a Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, you know, one of these. Lady Gaga. She's never going to be one of those poppy, super, like, immensely popular chicks like that. And I think she's okay with that. I mean, she still sells out arenas and still puts on great performances. She's just, I don't know, you never hear about her in the tabloids that much. You never, she's not out there doing drugs all over the place. I don't know. There's just something about her that's, she's pop, but she's not the dysfunctional pop audience type of person. All right, anyway, the number one song of the week is, well, it's Maroon 5 with One More Night. You and I go hard each other like we're going to You and I go rough. See, this is a group that to me has gone in a different direction. I kind of was okay. I was I was all right. I liked Maroon 5 when they came out. And now they put out this stuff and I'm just sort of like, eh. That's number one though. Hey. That's a look at your pop chart for the week. And this is actually the updated pop chart. I'm looking at the uh, information. This is October 5th through October 11th. So there's actually a new pop chart that's due out today. So...
There we go. <laughs> We've learned a lot on this show today. We've learned that Lindsay Lohan now supports Mitt Romney, and I, I'm sure that was the endorsement he was waiting for. I was on pins and needles. I'll tell you what. You know what? Never mind this Gary Johnson stuff. I'm Because Lindsay Lohan is on board with Mitt, I'm going to get on board too. Why not? So with all of that in mind, and speaking of the campaign season, I guess that takes us up to this. You know, this uh, particular campaign season has been rather contentious, very negative, lots of debates, lots of lies, lots of controversy, and there's still plenty more to come. What do we still have? 25 days till you decide 2012 officially culminates in the big election. Well, you know, the one thing that's been absent from this campaign season versus that of four years ago is campaign songs. Yes, where individuals decided to take to the Internet and either create their own masterpiece or butcher their way through a parody song. Four years ago, when YouTube was just beginning its crest, its ascension toward the top of the Internet video ranks, when viral videos were only starting to take a grasp on the culture there were so many different campaign songs, so many different people presenting their material. None more interesting than this, however. Aside from a Lindsay Lohan endorsement, you couldn't get any better than, <laughs> than this representation for your campaign. It's a Michael Groff Show flashback from March 25th, 2008, when we discovered a video, a parody song called It's Raining McCain. Every candidate has a song or songs which um, uh, people, ordinary, average, everyday people are submitting to YouTube and to all these other websites to show that they're fans of that candidate. You know, everybody's doing it right now. Um, I, I don't know. I've, I've never been a big fan of doing that myself, but people do it. All right. So apparently somebody made a song about John McCain. Actually, three people, these three chicks, made a song about John McCain. It's a parody of the song It's Raining Men by the Weather Girls. It's really just a horrible song from the 70s. These really fat chicks. One of them was, like, really fat. One of them was, like, 80 years old, and one of them was just despicable. And uh, in, in this case, it's kind of similar there's a video that these three chicks made about John McCain. It's called It's Raining McCain. And in the video at one point, there's little McCain's raining, which is scary in itself. Anyway, I'm almost hesitant to play this audio because, I don't know, the audience and I, I haven't gotten any hate mail in a while, and I don't know, I'm kind of liking that. I guess I'll play it. Why not? Maybe we need some hate mail. We haven't had any good hate mail in a while, so let's... Maybe we can gen up some. Listen, I had nothing to do with this. I'm just playing the audio. You know this is one of the biggest videos on YouTube right now, by the way? Here's It's Raining McCain. This is, uh, I apologize in advance. We're your McCain girl. Uh -huh. And have we got news for you. You better listen. Get ready, all you lonely girls. And leave those Democrats at home. Obama's getting low what? According to our sources McCain should get the vote Cause in 
I'm going to go out and get myself absolutely John McCain even mean. He took off to Vietnam, and he did what he had to do. Okay, if you see this video, these three chicks, one is uglier than the next. I mean, it's like, it's almost like watching The View, where those hags are. I mean, one one looks worse than Joy Behar. One looks worse than uh, Sherry Shepard. One looks like she got hit by a truck, literally. That same Mazda that hit me hit this chick. That's the worst vocals ever. myself get absolutely John McCain. John McCain! So, if you've ever needed a reason not to vote for John McCain, there it is. <laughs> Matt drops in a funny line on the IRC channel. This is uh, taking my line about uh, one looks like one looks like she got hit by a truck. The other looks like a truck, period. <laughs> She does. This one chick is huge. She's got to be pushing four bills. This chick on here, she's bigger than Star Jones. It's like somebody, it's like she ate Star Jones and Oprah. This woman is huge, okay? Yeah, I mean, if you really, if you didn't like John McCain before, now, now, by the way, John McCain had nothing to do with this. So, I mean, why? I don't know why you would hate John McCain by proxy, but this just makes me hate John McCain. That was brutally awful. That was painful. And I, uh, I'm i sorry that... John McCain! <laughs> I'm sorry that you had to endure that. That was pretty painful. I'm telling you. Uh, from March 25th, 2008, there it is. A flashback from the Michael Grav Show. It's raining McCain. Ooh. Back before viral videos were a ubiquitous part of the culture. And maybe it's best that they should have stayed that way. Oh, well. All right. Well, if you have any suggestions for other Michael Grav Show flashbacks, you can always send them to us. Our email address, mike at kmgx.com. That is also the PayPal address, mike at kmgx.com. Any comments, questions, suggestions, anything you'd like to pass along to our email address. Always great. Michael Groff over on Twitter. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. And, of course, michaelgroff.com for any and all matters Michael Groff related. You can always subscribe to us so that you get notifications whenever we post a brand new podcast or whatever. It's always there for you. michaelgroff.com. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Sure do appreciate it. We'll be back with another show again real soon. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Good night, everybody.